the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. 19 years ago to the day, uh, we lost two twin towers and another plane in the fields of Pennsylvania and a plane into the Pentagon. I was on the air that day. It was a surreal situation because I did the show from 6 a.m. till 9 a.m. And it all started going down right around 8. Um, so they said, stay on. And I was like, okay, I could stay on. And uh, so I stayed on for another two hours. I was on the air for five straight hours. I had an economist on who, his name was Roger Arnold. One of the first things he said, he had kind of a nasally voice. Uh, he said, Probably about 9.15 in the morning. It's Osama bin Laden. It's Osama bin Laden. And I was like, you can't just say that. But, okay, well, I'll go with that. Um, I was a, just a surreal day. When I was finally done, and I was on the air, and I could hear a pop in the background. I could. That was a plane hitting the Pentagon. I lived about two miles from the Pentagon. And on the air, I said, that was probably the White House or the Pentagon that just got hit. Um, when I got off the air, I sat outside for 10 minutes. And it was surreal because there wasn't a plane in the sky. And it's kind of almost like the pandemic now where you look up at the sky and you're like, wow, where are all the planes? They've toned that down, haven't they? Can't do that in California right now because the wildfires, you can't look into the sky because you don't see anything. Major, major wildfires tore through the West Coast yesterday, destroying hundreds of homes, wiping out entire neighborhoods in two towns in Oregon. More than three million acres have burned in California, a record in state history. I talked a little bit about that yesterday. The August complex that started from a series of lightning strikes last month has become the biggest wildfire in California's history. Uh, Ten people have died. Um, this year, I don't feel like we're blaming PG&E, even though when I looked at the top 20 fires, there was a couple power lines. It's interesting how that media shift happens. NASDAQ was up when I started this morning at 1 a.m. Um, it looked good. It looked rosy. It looked like there was a, a day ahead of us where we can go, ooh, um, but a lot like yesterday, we started up, I was off the air, and I, I we were doing okay. I, I remember saying an update, we've got up some gains, but ultimately we collapsed. Um, same thing's happening today. Even though Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Alphabet, Facebook, all were indicated higher, essentially they're all lower at this point in time. Um, so again, not a very good and happy day. Um us off at this point. I see Tesla down nine. I see Nike up. So some of the non-tech plays that are growth-oriented are having a nice day. Apple's down 2%. (laughs) 
Facebook down one quarter of 1%. So that's up there. Um, but the Dow and the S&P 500, yeah, Dow's kind of going, it started up, but it's kind of going sideways, whereas the S&P 500 started up much higher and it's given back a lot of that gain. But again, companies like Apple are on the S&P 500 and Apple started up and has given back those gains. Taking a look at some of the stories today, Peloton and Oracle, um, both better than expected earnings, both positive guidance. Wall Street works in a funny way. You can have a great quarter, but if you say, I don't really know about the third quarter or the fourth quarter of the United States, uh, we don't really have a lot of visibility with COVID, you can get punished for your, your outlook. But I just had great earnings, but you said your outlook wasn't great. Adobe got an upgrade. I like Adobe stock. Um, for some reason, I've never found a way to own it. I owned it as a rental uh, maybe 12, 14 years ago. But what do I mean by rental? I don't think you have to own every stock till the day you die. Um, I think sometimes you can see a stock that falls on earnings and you're like, you know what? I bet that one's going to come back. Because after all, Oracle's Oracle, Peloton's Peloton, Adobe's Adobe, Apple's Apple. And you start labeling things like, I bet it comes back because it's a good company. Interesting, right? How we find things like and or dislike. A little bit of uh, inflation news in the news. A little bit of inflation in the news. I've been up since one. I'm really, really tired today. Total CPI increased four-tenths of a percent month over month. While core CPI, which excludes food and energy, also rose, that leaves the CPI up 1.3% for the year. Um, that's not bad. You look at inflation and you want somewhere between 2 and 4%. 2% on the low side, 4% on the high side. And this is just my opinion. But when you're talking about 1.3%, you also want consumer prices to go up because then the people who are making it continue to employ their employees. You want consumer inflation to go up because it leads to potentially wage inflation if a company's making something and selling it for a profit. So 1.3% year over year is a little bit on the weak side, um, but it's also not very inflationary for people like me. Woo-hoo! Um, Peloton crushed it. I should talk a little bit about some of the top stories today. <clears throat> First and foremost, I think yesterday started to fall apart on the news that the skinny bill <clears throat> that the Republicans put out, it's not going to get a vote. Senate Republicans' $500 billion trimmed down coronavirus relief bill failed to pass Thursday after all Democrats present and one Republican voted against it. Essentially, the employment numbers aren't so bad as far as jobless cuts, as far as jobs being created. So the Democrats are, are gambling a little bit. Uh, we're going to appear to be hardline and not give you something to stimulate the economy. But the Republicans failed to move forward the so-called skinny bill. Um, I think one data point released this week that bodes well for the economy is the number of job openings, the JOLTS report. It's job openings. Um, it's a favorite of the Federal Reserve. It was considered 
someone's calling me. That's weird. One data point was the jobs report. It was it showed job openings at companies up 37% year over year. Um, I'm sorry, up 37% from July, April into July. Um, positive, positive. But again, April was pretty awful, right? Citigroup yesterday named Jane Fraser its next CEO. Citigroup is a big, big, big financial institution. I think that was a story yesterday that I want to give a thumbs up to. And the current CEO, Michael Corbat, has done a really nice job after Citibank, Citigroup, however you want to talk about it, um, went through some bad years. They went through some bad years where there was some corruption and there were some bribery scandals. But Citigroup is a nice company. If you think interest rates are going to go higher, I would put it on a list of stocks to own. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Do you know Peloton? They make that exercise bike where you get into classes and they motivate you and scream at you through basically an iPad that's glued to the uh, bike. It's great. It's a, it's, it's a wonderful product. I feel that it's a little bit pricey for the average American. But gyms have started to reopen. But for a while, gyms were not opening. It'll be interesting how Peloton does with the gyms open. It's been a, very much so a winner in the pandemic play. And before that, I, I would say it was catching on with Wealthy. But the maker of interactive at-home bikes and treadmills more than doubled its connected fitness subscribers to 1.09 million. It expects such growth to continue in the current fiscal year. That's going to be tough to believe if they don't have another catalyst like, or maybe COVID's prolonged. I can tell you, I've gotten a little flabby. Peloton shares soared more than 209% so far this year, and... Uh, when Jim shut down, people called them and said, hey, uh, we want your bike. And they're like, well, you're going to have to wait because everyone does. Uh, they're trying to do a $39 a month subscription to set up any of the classes that you want. I see them getting into power drinks. I see them potentially getting into clothes. Uh, they have two versions of the bike, and they have two versions of the treadmill now. Expensive and a little bit less. Um, I bring this up in large part because they're trying to diversify their product. In the end, I've never really found a gym investment that was a good long-term play. And we are a very fickle country. So I'm not 100% sure I'm into it, but it is a momentum stock, and it is very strong quarter to quarter right now. So maybe that's one of those, you know, I talked about it in the first segment. You could rent a tech stock. You don't have to own every single one until the day you die. Elsewhere out there, um, Rio Tinto, the world's second largest mineral and mining company, said today that chief executive Jean-Sebastien Jacques, Jean-Jacques, I'm Jean-Jacques, um, he's going to step down. Ultimately, shareholder pressure had the company made a huge mistake and the shareholders kind of revolted against the CEO. What mistake could a, a large mining company make? Well, they accidentally blew up two ancient rock shelters in Western Australia. Eh, I'm not going to say anything terribly stupid here, but 
sometimes I feel that we hold on to historical monuments a little bit too long, but this was 46,000 years ago. Um, and it was tied towards traditional Aboriginal owners. Uh, that's a bit of a, a goof up, a little bit of a faux pas, so to speak. How did that happen? It's a good question. No. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. You got to imagine someone knew, but it's being called an accident. So that's out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. Samsung shares are getting a lot of attention right now on um, uh, media outlets like uh, Bloomberg and CNBC. Samsung's, are they the poor man's Apple? Not really. They're a much more diversified company than Apple. But one analyst is saying that the stock could rally over 40%. Uh, analysts sees TV and smartphone sales rebounding sharply in the near term and boosting their chip division. Um, if I were to drop some experience on you, I would say that, and this is difficult to say because I'm really tired today, um, if I were to drop some experience on you, Samsung's burned people before. They've had so many products that have been faulty. Now, they've generally speaking, they're pretty solid. And like their TVs are great, their glass is great, their semiconductors are solid, but their phones, uh, they've had some problems. Do you remember the Samsung bindable phone? That yeah, It was a little bit of a disaster, PR-wise. So as an investor, I hope you can find things that you like and hope you can find things that you don't like. And I hope you can develop rules that you take a look at. Samsung shares hit an all-time intraday high yesterday of 62,800 Korean won. What exactly is a lot? It's a good question, right? So this weekend, um, Bob Woodward just wrote a book called Rage, and it's pretty scathing against Trump. This weekend, there's going to be a lot of drama. We're looking at Friday as the markets close a very volatile week, where I think investors are kind of looking for a little bit of a break at this point in time. But this weekend, you're going to get Trump... um, being attacked pretty aggressively in the headline news stories, the Sunday news, the political shows, as I like to call them. Um, I would like to take a break from the political shows, but there's nothing else to watch right now. Um, with the weather, we're all kind of staying in. Um, 83% of companies... Oh, boy, I bring up the whole Trump thing is because I think we're in a very volatile stage in the market between now and the election. And some of the reports are saying that we're not going to have an election winner because of the drama that's going on with the ballots uh, being mailed, that we won't have a winner for maybe a month. And that would cause the market some stress. I'm not saying it would go down. Um, And I'm not saying you should sell into it. But think about it. How do you feel about your portfolio going into a very volatile time of the year? 83% of companies in a new report said they're ready to embrace new work conditions after coronavirus. Um, That, again, throws down to the trend, the trend of working from home, the trend of working in sweatpants and only buying shirts, which is one of the weirdest stories that came out of the coronavirus shutdown. But companies like Twitter and Square... Facebook, um, they're trying to make work remotely permanent. There's some problems with that. I think there's going to be some hiccups with it, some efficiencies. But that tells me Zoom's going to be around for a while. Now, again, eh, are there best days 
happening, their best growth numbers happening during the pandemic? Maybe, but there is a trend there, right? So 83% of companies are embracing this. Um, We are going to reopen, but what does it look like two, three, four years from now? I don't think we'll be back to 100% of us at work. Now, will our employment numbers get better? Yeah, I think so. But I think more of us are going to be working from a commuteless scenario, maybe in our own homes, maybe not. I don't know. You know, one of the business models that came out of the pandemic are what are called ghost kitchens, which is fascinating. The idea that um, we can get an industrial building instead of a retail building, we can cook food, we can have DoorDash come pick it up, bring it to you. Um, there's even now something called ghost, what is it called? Ghost, um, food trucks, where again, if you have a favorite food truck, you can have DoorDash, go grab that. Let's say it's a taco truck. You can go get your tacos from your taco truck and bring it to your home. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I've been invested, essentially fully invested for 20 plus years. I've never gone to cash. I've never raised significant money um, as far as percentage-wise goes. I have. I did sell off some Apple last month um, because it is a significant portion of my quote-unquote wealth. Um, I haven't redeployed it, all that money yet, but I've got it sitting in a nice cash account that's um, getting a decent interest rate. One of the things I want to talk about is the risk there. The higher the return on your cash, typically the higher risk involved. Very rarely in history have we seen the buck broken, where you have your money in a cash account, money account, and it goes negative on you. It's happened. It's happened in this century. It's happened in the last 20 years. Um, It doesn't happen for long, and banks usually try to fix that problem as fast as they can. With interest rates as low as they are right now, they can't really offer a lot. Um, So there's a risk when you start looking for higher returns. And it's one of the more interesting questions that I get from viewers. You can drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Is, I just sold a house. Where do I put that money, but I have to buy a house in three years? I'm like, yeah, you put it in cash. There's in that Bob Woodward book, there's going to be talk that you're going to hear more about later today tied towards how close the United States was to a nuclear situation with Kim Jong-un, North Korea's leader. I don't know how true it is, but that's a pretty scary moment, right? So that could cause the market to go down for three years easily. Have we ever had a nuclear strike in the Bay Area? No. Have we ever had one in LA? No. But we started talking last year and seeing the results of, like, North Korea is getting closer to be able to launch a strike that far. Realistically, they'd probably mess up Japan. Um, But again, that's just a surreal conversation, is it not? But in the Woodward book, it says it could happen. So that's why when people ask me, I want to buy a house in three years, I don't know where to put the cash. I'm like, eh, you never know what's going to happen. So I'd keep it in cash. 
Now, could I find something that's very low risk? Yes, but very low risk also implies you're going to get very low returns. Uh, whether it be a dividend or whether it be growth in equity. Uh, the lower your expectations, probably the safer. But again, that doesn't sit well in some people's heads. It's one of the most popular emails that I get. I want to talk about risk a little bit further in this segment. Nicola, they're a hydrogen fuel clean vehicle company. Um, they're tied towards an electric vehicle. They've been accused of fraud. So the stock's down 13, 14, 15% this morning. As you may remember, Tesla doesn't have a lot of competitors, and GM has made a relationship with Nikola and given them 11%, or taken 11% of the company in relationship for a big old investment and the ability to manufacture said truck. I think they said end of 2021. So Nikola shares tumbled 13% today. And it's ultimately a short-selling firm called Hindenburg Research, which, what does that tell you? What does the name Hindenburg Research tell you? It tells you that they deal with bad news. The Hindenburg was that big helium, I don't know, ship of the early 20th century that was going to change the world and how we commute and get around. Had gas in it that was was not stable. It lit on fire, and oh, the humanity uh, came crashing down pretty hardcore. So Hindenburg Research, I'm guessing, just from the name, probably tries to find companies that have bad management, bad product, uh, bad financials. Something's wrong with them. I tend not to do these companies. I tend not to look at it and go, man, I really want a short Nikola. Because for years, people like me would say things like, well, Tesla's got great revenue and they got great product, but they're running out of cash faster than they should because they're going to have nothing left. And at that point in time, the judge is going to come knock on their door and say, hey, bankruptcy court, we want your machines or we want your unsold inventory or we want your cash in the bank accounts. I tend not to get into situations where you want to short a company. And I tell this story on a regular basis. Americans bought pet rocks in the 1970s. We're not a very smart country. We're doing all sorts of crazy things to fight obesity, all sorts of crazy things to fight sleep deprivation. Um, We're doing all sorts of things to get vitamins in our body instead of eating healthy food. The vitamin industry is a multi-billion dollar, hundred billion dollar industry. And there's very little research to show that your body absorbs stuff. Um, And then don't even get into like, don't even get me started on the fish oils, but we tend to look for easy fixes. And on a company that, like a Tesla, it made sense to short it. But the stock, eh, there was probably some days where you did well by shorting it. But overall, it's fair to say that the shorts probably got the snot beat out of them. I tend not to short companies. Um, I, I've never put a short on. I I don't dislike. I'll just find something else to like, if that makes sense. So I'm talking a little bit about risk. When you look for a higher return on your cash, you can get into trouble. Same thought can be said when um, 
you try to take a company down. Now, again, let's talk about the basics of investing here. Most of us want to buy low and sell high. A short seller sells high and he wants to buy low. The idea that we bought pet rocks just, it's always gotten into my head that Americans are stupid. We throw a lot of money at things. So, do, did GM throw a lot of money at Nikola to take an 11% stake without looking at their finances, without looking at their product? Probably not. Um, anyway, I think the markets got a little upset yesterday about a second round of stimulus checks that's probably not going to happen. At one point in time, there was bipartisan support, but at this point in time, it seems to be deteriorating on one more round of stimulus. Democrats want something, the Republicans want something different. And because it's political season, it's, you know, who's ahead in the polls and who's behind? The people who are ahead are willing to be, to not grant power, to not grant access to the, the party that's behind. I don't know if that's the right way of saying it, but it's pretty close. Anyhow, let's take a look at what's happening on the markets today. Uh, stocks open higher. They're trying to trim their weekly losses. Um, this has been one. This has been a pretty rough week. So volatile. It's kind of we need a break. What's happening in the California Bay Area, Oregon, Pacific Northwest, uh, Washington? It, there's a lot of fires going on right now. A lot of smoke, and I think we all just kind of need a little less anxiety. Ten-year Treasury sits at 67 basis points. That tells me again there's still some anxiety in the about the economy. If the economy was doing great, we'd be at. If you remember, take a look back at time. Go back in the wayback machine. Okay, Sherman. We started to trend higher. Um, if you go back in 2016, we went from one four up to two four, and we went from two four down to two one, and then two one up to two seven, uh, two eight, two nine, three three one, and then three one all the way back down to 67 basis points. So. That's important because the cost of money helps stimulate economies. The cheaper it is, the more risk we take. The cheaper it is, the more risk banks take, in theory. The cheaper the cost of money is, the more you're able to say, I want to buy a house. If you buy a mortgage, if you buy a house with a mortgage at 3% versus 4%, you can afford far less house at 4% than you could at 3%. So there's some things going on there. Um, but the 10-year treasury at 67 basis points, it's just not good. It's telling me that, you know, I want to be back to where we were in 2018. In October of 2018, we were all the way up at 3.15. Now, that was a, a stressful time in the stock market. The market didn't like it. The market doesn't want us to go back to 3.5. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But short term, it doesn't, right? Um, throwing that out there for you. Just talking about risk, talking about opportunity. And I'm still, one of the things I said at the start of the segment was, uh, I've never, ever gone to all cash personally. I've never raised like 25 to 50% of my portfolio. I would say the most cash I've ever had in a portfolio was maybe 10%. Um, and that seems a little high. Thank you. <laughs> Here's your change. Um, all markets are in the green right now. 
So we're, we're not doing bad, but it's not a very strong day. And what I mean by that, we're not getting any two, three, two percent, three percent, four percent higher moves. Um, and that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Stocks opened higher, trying to trim the weekly losses. The skittish trading around the mega caps right now. Peloton up 5% roughly. Oracle up 4% blowout numbers from both of those companies. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I do wildly appreciate being on air for over 20 years, and it's largely in part because we have an audience. Um, that's, that feels good to say out loud, right? So thanks for all your help and all your support. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com or drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com, rob at robblackshow.com. New cycle is heating up for until November, minimum. Maybe it'll be even longer than November, right? Um, and what I mean by the news cycle, it's, it's going to be pretty dramatic. Know that it's there. Be comfortable with it. Know that the stock market has recovered from COVID. Know that the stock market has recovered from Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Know that the stock market has recovered from World War One and World War II. North, uh, not North Korea, the Korean War. I guess you could say the North Korea, too, uh, because that certainly had some drama tied towards it. Um, we've seen presidents assassinated. We've seen world leaders kill millions of their own people and millions of people that didn't match their identities that they wanted to project. This market has seen it all. This market has seen it all. So I'm not saying at some point we don't go to zero. Heck, this market has seen 9-11. And I remember after 9-11, people were calling me up and um, asking me, like, do you think the economy will ever come back? I remember a woman cried when she called my evening show. At that point in time, I did five hours in in the morning. I did three hours in the morning, but I got extended two extra hours. And that afternoon was one of my first months on CNET Radio. I don't know if you remember CNET Radio, but um, I was wildly popular on CNET Radio. They made a business mistake. Um, it's, it was the tech station in the San Francisco. The tech station makes a lot of sense, right? Except for they didn't sell advertising to tech companies. Tech companies didn't really Dell and HP. They tried to like stay inside the tech circle so the tech advertisers work with the tech content. And they had me on to basically do stock talk was my show. Uh, before there was Rob Black and Your Money, there was Stock Talk. And before that, there was 2020 on Wall Street or 2020 Insight. 2020 Insight. Which is funny because people thought I was an optometrist. <laughs> Whoops. That didn't work the way I wanted it to. So I wrote down a list of things that the market's been through just in my trading career, my investment career. Um, two housing bubbles, the European debt crisis, the Asian financial crisis, a.k.a. the Asian flu, not to be confused with the politically incorrect Chinese flu. The United States um, had the S&P debt downgrade. That was a big one. The flash crash, the cotton bubble, Y2K, computers crashing. I remember when that was happening, me and CFP Chad Burton were laughing, like, we should start up an ETF or a mutual fund or an index tied towards Y2K and just retire off that. 
Um, it's gone through rare earth problems, uranium, Ebola, bird and swine flus, mad cow disease, SARS, West Nile, Lehman Brothers, Bear Stearns collapsing, countrywide credit going out. The WAN devaluation, zero rates, negative rates, oil at $10 a barrel, oil at $140 a barrel. COVID-19, Bitcoin, the Tesla squeeze, Volkswagen emission scandals, the cannabis bubble, which just two years ago, there was a lot of speculation on it because states are opening up. And that makes sense. As more states legalize it and coming out of COVID, states are going to say, we need to have some tax money. Where else can we get it? Sales tax, probably not a good idea. Soda tax, let's tax kids who drink soda. Thank you. Um, great movie. Uh, great quote. Great pull quote. Anyway, um, what else did the markets go through? Uh, Bitcoin, Tesla squeeze, Volkswagen emission scandals, the cannabis bubble. Oh, oh, what we learned about the cannabis bubble was that, yeah, states open up the idea to recreational and or medicinal marijuana. Um, more states will follow. Because they'll see, hey, that state just got $100 million or $10 million in tax money. We want that. This market has gone through the security stocks in 2003 for debt downgrade, SARS, 9-11, the Iraq War I with Bush Sr., the Iraq War II with Bush Jr., Kim Jong-un's nuclear ambitions, the global financial crisis of 2008, deficits in pigs country. Just a few years ago, we were talking about the pigs, and I got into a little bit of trouble with my uh, radio provider because I made a pretty bad joke about Greece, but... The, the pigs that got into trouble were Portugal, Ireland, Italy, Greece, and Spain. And they all have debt problems. And they still have those debt problems. And the European Union looked like it was going to collapse because will Greece stay or will they go? Interestingly enough, the UK was the one that left because uh, they couldn't handle the debts of other countries. Nah, politically, that's kind of close to the truth. I'm not sure that's the whole picture. They're still not even gone. That's dragging on. So we've gone through Brexit. We've gone through hanging chads in an election. Trump's election was very dramatic and out of nowhere. Argentina has gone bankrupt multiple times. Puerto Rico, bankruptcy, Venezuelan bonds, European banks. On a lesser degree, we've gone through things like invasions of Ukraine by Russia, the 2008-2011 Icelandic financial crisis, China edging into Hong Kong, bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers. Any of these events could be called a, a once-in-a-lifetime. Any of them. Bear Stearns collapsing is a once-in-a-lifetime. We've gone through these nonstop now. A hundred-year flood every year for 25 straight years of doing this? This has been pretty... Ugh. I don't remember a year that didn't have drama. And yet, I look at the stock market and... Eh, it's just hit an all-time high not that long ago. I was a little bit worried about how we hit that all-time high with just momentum of big stocks getting bigger, bigger stocks getting biggest, biggest stocks getting biglier. I hope you see that as a little bit of humor. Anyhow, experience counts for a lot because our nation still has an obsession with hiring young people who take a lot of risk on Wall Street. I've got a lot of experience. I've seen this all before. I'm not going to get scared. I'm not going to get spooked. I'm not going to get dramatic. Um, I'll try to tell you when you should shift a little bit here, a little bit there, but I've never gone 50% cash. I don't think I've ever gone 10% cash. Somewhere more than five for sure.